Hi, this is Patty, and thank you for listening to this previously recorded episode of GalaxyCon Live. We'd also like to invite you to check out our other shows, Rock Around the Ring, featuring music and wrestling guests, and GalaxyCon Talks Comics, all of which are available now on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are available. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of GalaxyCon's Virtual Hangouts, where we are bringing convention-style entertainment directly to you. And today, we will be returning to the All-Valley Karate Championship scene with the cast of Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. Originally released in 1984, the original Karate Kid was met with critical and box office acclaim, grossing over $90 million, generating three sequels, one reboot, and cementing its place in pop culture history as a beloved coming-of-age film and martial arts movie. Then, in 2017, John Hurwitz, Hayden Schlossberg, and Josh Harold campaigned and acquired the permission to develop a sequel series that would revisit many of the original characters and introduce several new ones. That series would be called Cobra Kai and has become one of the most highly acclaimed streaming series of all time, holding a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and has been hailed as the model of how to revitalize a pre-existing franchise to old and new fans alike. Today, GalaxyCon is thrilled to have three actors from the cast joining us for the next 50 minutes. And now, without further ado, let's bring them out. First, he is a veteran actor whose roles include the cult classic Death Wish Race 2000, Rambo First Blood Part 2, and the critically acclaimed television series Cagney Lacey. Today, he is here to talk about his role as Sensei John Kreese. Please welcome Mr. Martin Cove. Hello, everyone. Hey, boss. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Uh, we are doing, we're doing swell. Next, his credits include the cult comedy Up the Academy, Crossroads, and HBO's The Deuce. Today, he is here as the owner of the LaRusso Auto Group. Please welcome Ralph Baccio. And there I am. And finally, he is an actor, writer, and director whose body of work includes The Equalizer, Hot Tub Time Machine, and the Academy Award-nominated short film Most. Today, he joins us as part-time handyman Johnny Lawrence. Please welcome our friend William Zabka. Thank you, everyone. Please hold your applause until the end of the show. Thank you. Oh, let me hold that. Let me hold that. There we go. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> William, how you holding up? Hey, I'm hey. holding up good, man. How you holding up? We're all doing fine. Uh, head, head above water, and uh, we're looking yeah. forward to the day that we can get all you uh, gentlemen back on our stages in front of your fans in person. So, And until then, we're so glad to have you here in this format. Great to be here, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Cool. What I would love to do is, is uh, I'd like to ask some uh, opening questions. First of all, I've asked you this before, but for our audience, I'd like for them to hear this story. Where did Karate Kid originally begin for each of you? For me, it was an audition in New York City with the great, the late great John Avelson, who directed uh, all three of the Karate Kid films I was in. He had directed Rocky and uh, among many other films uh, at, the, at the time. And it was... Uh, you know, it was a script. It's an audition for this movie called The Karate Kid. I was like, that's a terrible title. <laughs> uh, you know, and but I went and met him. And um, that videotape, actually, you can check out on YouTube. My audition and Pat Morita's audition, who played Mr. Miyagi, intercut. You could find that on YouTube. The first word, first time I ever read those words. So it, it's pretty cool to uh, see that still resonate with people. And it was... Um, you know, life changed from there. You know, it was it was very exciting. So that's that's where it began for me. I was brought in just to read this heavy that uh, I just I was doing Katie Lacey and it was a it was a break and I read the script and it seemed like just another heavy and I went in there had very little time to prepare and one day actually and I went in there and berated our director abused him and screamed at him and did the scene Mercy is for the week and. You know, this 
as Ralph said, it was. It appeared to be like the title was a Bruce Lee movie, and it wasn't something that I, I couldn't put the pieces together that it would have the iconic experience of, uh, that we've all had. And um, I, I truly enjoyed being on there, and the, the dynamics were great with the director and and the Cobra Kai, and um, working with with um, Ralph and uh, Pat. And it was kind of like it was an experience that was vague because I didn't know go any place. And I was on the, I think I was on, on the set for two weeks. And then I went back to Cagney and Lacey, just playing it by ear, you know, and um, then it exploded. So I think I just looked at it as, as I was doing another heavy, but I never zeroed in on how brilliant the script was. Cause that's who I think the star was, you know, Ralph and, and Billy and, um, and Pat were just brilliant. But the bottom line was, I think Robert Mark Kamen was truly the star of this whole piece. And that's that's why I did it. How about you, Bill? William? Well, let's see. So, uh, yeah. So, for where did I could start for me? I was uh, I was 17. I had just graduated high school. I was going to Cal State Northridge as a film major. And I uh, was going to be going into filmmaking, directing, writing, and producing. And I always wanted to be an actor. And I dreamed of being an actor. But I went to film school. I didn't go to acting school. In the meantime, I had an agent. Anyway, I got a phone call one day out of the blue. I think I was at the gym and uh, to go to to go to uh, Columbia Pictures and uh, meet uh, Penny Dupont, who I met on another casting. She's a casting director, and Carolyn Jones, who cast Friday Kid, and uh, to go down and have a meeting with them. So I walked in, and I remember this little bungalow. I walked into them, and they were kind of scanning me like they seem to be perfect for this character. And take a script home and read it. And come back tomorrow and read for John Avildsen, who directed the film. And the character was Johnny Lawrence. And, uh, you know, it's all I knew. Read Johnny. So I went home and I read the script and it was amazing. It was totally engaged and loved it. Um, but the thing was, Johnny was in uh, a black belt, a motorcycle rider. I never, I didn't know karate. I never rode a motorcycle in my life. So that just seemed out of reach. But something about the scene they gave me, I just, it, it was very natural. I went in and met with John Avildsen. I remember, I remember pulling up to the to the bungalow of, at Columbia, and there was a bunch of guys, you know, Johnny hopefuls, you know, all sitting in the waiting room. And I remember walking in and signing in, and um, each of them were in character, so everybody was kind of, uh, you know, out. Either they were memorizing the lines or whatever. It wasn't a very friendly environment. So I popped back out mm. to my dad's 1970 Volvo, called some Zebra, which uh, I T-shirt I proudly wear. Cobra Kai, uh, which is a tribute to that, and waited for my turn to get called in. And I got called in. I met with John, and he was it was intimidating at first because I knew he directed Rocky, and uh, I was a huge fan. And I'm like, wow, this is like a real director. But I walked in, and he was just his just his demeanor was so calm, and he was so nurturing and so engaging. And um, yeah, he, he set me uh, he kind of set me free. Like if he was, you know, one of these directors, you know, I met a lot of them, but he. You know, he was just so, so interested. And so I did that audition and then I went home and then about a week or so later, I got a phone call to come in and meet with uh, Ralph Macchio, which was another one of the gods because I love the outsiders. I knew who he was. And, you know, I was just a, I was a commercial actor. Now I'm showing up doing all this stuff and having to, you know, find that somehow. So right. that, it's the same way that John was really in the parking lot. I don't I think I've said this before, but. You know, I was really nervous, and I think I stumbled over a couple. Of Ralph doesn't remember this because he read with a thousand guys. I was just in a long headband. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, uh, 
going over the scene with them. I remember clunking a line. Like I forgot, I blanked out. Either he covered for me or there was, there was a rewrite. He goes, oh yeah, I think we changed this and that. And so his, his temperament also set me at ease. And, and then I went in and wrote with him and it was three guys left. Rob Garrison who played Tommy and Friday Kid and one other guy and me, I think it was down to three. So I went in bed with Ralph and then the other guys went in and out and I waited in the parking lot until the sun was going down, you know, like an old high school movie. I was waiting for Ralph to walk out with his briefcase, you know. <laughs> he walks out and I kind of, uh, you know, I said, hey man, how, you know, how'd it go in there? He goes, oh yeah, 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 they were all good. Everybody was good. And I said, you know, what do you think? What do you think? He goes, well, I think it was good. He goes, but I told John, uh, you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and, um, I felt good, you know. Still to this day. Still to this day. Yeah, so that was it. That's my thing. And then I went home, and then I got a call another two or three weeks later because they were just casting forever. It didn't happen fast. And then uh, the next, my next call in was to come in with sweatpants and uh, and meet a man named Pat Johnson, who was our trainer. The night three black belts, Norris guy, and he trained us, choreographed the whole film, and I was sent to a soundstage where there was a bunch of rubber pads and. And I didn't know what it was doing. I got there and he just kind of bent me and stretched me and lifted my leg and had me do some push-ups and whatever. And next thing he walked over to some bat phone on the wall and said something in code. And then he said, okay, son, you can go home. And I didn't know still what was going on. I went home and uh, later that day, I got a phone call from my agent saying, you got the part. But the last thing I'll say, when they said I got the part, I said, which one? Because it was five Cobra Kai's. And they're like, oh, well, I don't know. Which one is it? I'm like, is it Johnny? Is it Tommy? Is it Bob? I'm like, oh, we'll call you right back. So they're not knowing which one I was going to be. And then they're like, oh, it's Johnny? I'm like, yeah, that's the big guy, man. I love it. So anyway, that's what happened. The rest is history, you know? Definitely. So this, this is a one-question panel. That was it. This is that's it. it. <laughs> well, guys, I got to go. Yeah, he's gone now. He's going to study Gettysburg Address for the next question. <laughs> well, let's see. Martin scared the crap out of the director, and William scared the crap out of the lead. So this we're all learning something today about the casting process. This is very good. You all reprised the uh, characters in the uh, No More Kings music video that you directed, uh, William, the Sweep the Leg, Johnny. How did that evolve, and do you think that might have kept the pilot light alive to, to get to Cobra Kai? It did. It did for me. I don't know. I think. I think so. I think it had something to do with, uh, you know, at that point, many years ago, by Karate Kid was behind me. I was happy to kind of move on, and it just kept popping up in pop culture and in different ways. It was all of a sudden when it was starting to kind of evolve and become a thing that was enduring, you know. And and so this um, this band uh, wrote "Sweep the Leg," and I met the guy, the head of the label, and. He said, I want you to be in a music video, listen to this cool band. And he took me for a boat ride in Florida and, and cranked it on the speaker, sweep the leg, Johnny. And I wanted to jump off into the sharks. I'm like, I'm not, doing I'm not wearing a headband. I'm not doing a thing. And I said, but I said, listen, if you, let me, if you let me have creative control of it, write it and direct it, and I'll try to do something really special with it. And so he said, okay, we'll go write something. I wrote something and I had put everybody in there. I plugged everybody. I had Marty in there. I hadn't talked to Marty for a long time. I had Ralph in there. I'm like, okay, we'll see. You know, and uh, I knew I could get, I knew I could get the, the Rob and Tony and Ron back like this, but you know, so it was a process. And then uh, met with Marty and we went to a coffee shop and uh, I showed him the script and he wasn't quite grasping it. I said, come to the car. So he went to his, his convertible and put the convertible back and I popped the CD in. And uh, he lit a cigar and we cranked Sweep the Leg. 
and he just got this smile on his face and he just kind of got it. Anyway, and it evolved. It was great. And then um, at the very end, I had a scene for Ralph, but Ralph, Ralph was uh, in New York. He wasn't sure he could do it. And I sent him the final, the rough cut up to where he would come in. He saw it and he said, okay, I'm coming. Let's go do that. It was great. And yeah, it, it, it went kind of viral in those days. And uh, it opened me up to the idea that there were so many fans still out there. I mean, me more than I imagined that <laughs> knitting classes and volleyball, you know, it was like Cobra Kai's a thing and Karate Kid was still marching on. And so it felt good to do something that was a spoof and a comedy and for it to be received that way. Because at that point, you know, everybody knew me as, you know, it was fun to have fun with myself is what I'm saying. So and I think that was one of the building blocks. And then Ralph did his uh, his video, Wax on Bleep Off. Yep. I've had a piece. All right. All these things were well, it's every it's interesting because it's every couple of as we built up to to Cobra Kai now that is just uh, turned out we're just so excited with this show and the and the reception it's had and and with season three uh, on the launch pad we're just um, it's just so exciting that these seeds like like sweep the leg um, the No More Kings uh, the music video that Billy directed and the and the wax on f off funnier die thing that I did a couple of years later and the How I Met Your Mother yep. uh, cameos and you know that we've all been involved with and in some form you see the audience they would just rush to the stage every time and just rush back to the stage so it was it was ripe for a resurgence and a reboot for lack of a better description. But, you know, it's all in the execution. And in the case of, of all these projects, and certainly with Cobra Kai now, it's because of the great writing, like alluded to what Marty said earlier about Robert Mark Kamen, who wrote the original Karate Kid. If it's not on the page, it's not on the stage, you know, kind of theory. But then you add the element of the casting that was done from the get-go with John Avildsen and the original film and, and the three of us and the other cast members, Pat Morita and Randy Heller, Elizabeth Shue and all these, there's, it's a chemistry. It's like a, this perfect storm of characters and actors that take those words and bring them to the level where it becomes bigger than just the movie. It becomes fandom in pop culture. And we are, you know, the recipients of, of uh, the beneficiaries of that. You know, I was just saying, I watched Casablanca during this stage a couple of days ago. And I just was, you know, see it so many times. And I just watched the things that Ralph's talking about. The relationships, you know, everyone's relationship to each other, whether it's the bartender. And I watched the small stuff because I've seen the movie so many times. And the fact, and, and the whole concept of how everybody, as he said before, runs up the stage because of all these little gloves that are being dropped throughout the industry about our show over the last 30 years. Here you have a movie, you know, all these years later, and you can see why it worked because of the same dynamics. The actors were so defined with one another, the nationalism that was happening in 1940. It's kind of the same thing. And yet, you know, we made a movie now, what, 60 years later. And yet 30 years after that, we're doing a TV series, and it's all, all for the same reasons, the same cinematic emotional reasons of relationships and the proper lines and the edits. It, it, you know, all the stuff with 1906 and the great train robbery and silent movies, or it's Karate Kid. It's all, I think, shows like ours work all for the same reasons, you know, and appeal to everyone from whatever, you know, whatever 
the trend of life you're in, you know. What's been the best part of revisiting these characters in this fantastically protracted format, which really gives them a full depth of, of character? Who's waiting to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. I mean, go ahead, Billy. You know, because my, I mean, they, you know, because uh, Johnny was he, 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 sort of not two dimensional because he had depth, and that's why he exists still. You know, because it was just two dimensional. But you know, to have uh, the fun thing for me was, and what I said when they when they pitched to me is, I just don't want to be the, you know, I don't just be a big setup for me to be the biggest a hole of all time, and I'm going to go down with a crane kick to the face. You know, like again, like I, I already did the quintessential bad guy, one of the top decks and layers and all that. So. That they're writing to that, and they're writing so much, just so much human humanity into him, and you know, brokenness, and all that's fun stuff to climb out of as an actor. So it's just been really juicy stuff they're writing, and they're super fans of the show, and yeah, got their finger on the pulse, and to be able to trust the writing and just jump in and you know, let go has been thrilling. So yeah, know. and they dive into the these characters now dive into the gray areas of who they are. Whereas in the Karate Kid, the original Karate Kid, it was very black and white. The good guys were good and the bad guys were bad. What's so enriching about Cobra Kai and, and is that is that we get to be a John Kreese or, or Johnny Lawrence or Daniel LaRusso. The, you see all different shades of their personalities. You see Daniel and Johnny that are so polar opposite. But then when you look and you peel it back, they're not that different. They just had you know they they came through it a different way and that's been really fun to watch the audience's reaction to like they could see clearer than they than these two guys can see and it's kind of it's very entertaining to to watch that and as it evolves going forward that even go, gets deeper and and uh and more exciting each season there's been a moment between the two characters where everybody's on their edge like they're finally going to bury the hatchet they're finally going to do this and then a left turn and then something happens and to knock it over. Right. But yeah, the, the writers always, when we originally pitched this idea, they would talk about that being the Ross and Rachel of, of the Cobra Kai series, you know, like they're going to get together. No, they're not. They're going to get, you know, it keeps that ball up in the air, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fine balance, if you will. And these guys, these creators and all of us involved uh, talk it through and trying to find that. Um, so the longevity uh, continues. Martin, it's been a pleasure to see you play the character. You described him as he was going to be portrayed as really, really bad and a little bit good. And you have absolutely delivered that in your performance. Thank you. Well, he's just kind of misunderstood. He's not, <laughs> he's not evil. You know, I think in the beginning, like Ralph said, you know, he, he's a, you know, it was black and white. And now, especially in season three, you'll learn a lot more about the character. And, you know, it's fun because Johnny Lawrence is his son. That's how he feels about Johnny Lawrence, which governed throughout season two, all his emotions and the ups and downs and the roller coaster ride that we take this character on. You know, but we're constantly dropping gloves that he has some sensitivity and some form of illusion and yet some form of, of, of concrete strength of what he wants for Cobra Kai because Cobra Kai never dies. And the only thing probably more important to him than John Lawrence is Cobra Kai, the integrity of Cobra Kai. So he's willing to go very, very far into the stratosphere to maintain that, which of course goes against normality, which Miyagi-Do and, and what Billy's teaching his students now, you know, not as dark, 
yet, as far as John Kreese is concerned, it's wrong, you know. So yeah. it's quite interesting to play character, and they write the levels, as both Billy and Ralph were saying, they write our characters on such levels that it's a pleasure to play. I always wondered whenever I watched a serial killer movie and I saw how dark it was, especially like The Joker, you know, and it, it's not quite my cup of tea, but to act that, to really do that is a task. I mean, to really, you, you know, undercover and research and do all that. Those characters are great to play. I couldn't live on a diet of those movies because they're so heavy and dark. But as an actor, you know, all three of us, I'm sure would love to do that, you know? <laughs> as it is, John Grease. Absolutely. What I would love to do right now is let's see uh, what kind of questions we have out of our chat room. So, uh, Jude, why don't we go ahead and roll the first one? This one comes from Delgit. I hope I pronounced that right. What's the best part of coming back to Cobra Kai? We get to hang out all over again. You know, we get to uh, give a piece of this gift that came to us in the Karate Kid and, and continue telling that stories and characters that that uh, still resonate and have new things to say. And it's uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So it's and and also I always mention this because I so much enjoy working with the young cast in our show and how much pride they take in being a part of it. So that's that's really enriching as well for me, at least. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just been uh, it's been amazing. It's been like uh, reconnecting. I can almost feel like reconnecting with uh, a high school best friend. You know, like mm -hmm. nothing's changed. Everything's changed, but nothing's changed. It just it's and you know, it's thrilling to uh, and it's like a rediscovery of yourself too, in a way. You know, I, mean, it's, I don't know. I always was thinking of what more could Johnny Lawrence? What what could we do more with this thing? Like it was stirring in me for many years after Sweep the Leg, especially. I was just kind of there's a code to this. There's something out there that it's not done, you know. Yeah. So the fact that it landed and it came through three brilliant writers who were just incredible human beings as well, you know, and for them to serve us up so passionately and professionally, and they, it's a dream. It's really a miracle in a sense. Yeah. So it's been thrilling in every way. And mostly, really, truly, is to see the fans. Like, yes, yeah. For us personally, that's our experience. But what's incredible is the communication and, and the translation and how it's reaching generations from the people that, you know, saw the original in the theaters to their kids and to grandparents. And to, to realize you're a part of something like that is, you can't put words to it. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Same feelings. When I first met them at a restaurant and they said, we want you to come in season one, episode 10. And they explained everything to me that I wanted to know that I thought I was the only one who considered you know, how are we going to develop the character? I don't want to be, a, you know, just a heavy. And they had all the right answers. So somehow you knew you were in the hands, the proper hands of the producers. And it wasn't just, we need a bad guy in there. Yeah. They really just had great plans and knew everything about your character that you thought only you knew, you know? So it was a pleasure just to work under those conditions. Excellent. Thank you for that question, Delegate. Let's see, what do we have next? From Brahana. For all three, what was the most emotionally difficult scene to film in season two? Yeah, so the uh, season two was, the one of the first scenes I shot was at the Miyagi house, which was reconstructed, rebuilt in, in another state. We shoot in, in Georgia. 
And uh, I had to do all these scenes with uh, Tanner Buchanan, who plays Robbie, Johnny's son, and teaching him, sort of taking him through all the chores in the backyard, the waxing, the painting the fence, the sanding the deck and all that stuff. And I, I stood there that day and I just, for the moment, it all just was so emotional because so much magic happened in that location, in that backyard, even though it was a different place. That's sort of the heart and soul of the LaRusso father, son, mentor, student stuff. And there was this nostalgic uh, rush of emotion that I really had to sort of leave and go back to my dressing room for a little bit because I, it was, it was twofold. It was part the fact that, okay, I'm doing these scenes that have so much touched my life and everyone else by seeing this film. But then it was also the realization that now I'm the old guy. And uh, and now, sadly, the filmmakers, Pat Morita, the producer, the director of that original film that that created that uh, form for that magic to happen, were no longer with us. And it just, you know, I just looked up and it was uh, it was about them. It was very, very touching, emotional moment. And uh, and it was hard. And then when I went back in, as soon as we started doing the scene, it became the work and it became the scene with Tanner and, and, and Robbie and, and adult Daniel and no longer me uh, reminiscing about uh, where it all started. But that one, that one's a story that I'll always remember. I, I think that in season two, the first episode there where I go in and bring Johnny's trophy, I think that uh, it was very emotional for me because I took it all like this is son and he's rejecting me and I tried my best to work it out and couldn't do it vis-a-vis -vis, you know that episode and ultimately it was very sad for me because I kept using my son as a son rejecting me and it was very it was very touching I never thought John Creese would feel those things but it was just happening because it was written so well it was just happening that you couldn't go any place but to be melancholy and to be feel like it was the end of the world, giving him the trophy. You know, some so many people think the character was manipulating, but I never felt myself. I never played manipulation. I just played my heart that I was losing my son. And for me, that was the most emotional situation. And then of course, it's always interpreted that I'm on a, I have five agendas going on as John Kreese. So I just, you know, you just go, you know, go with the flow. He has a love affair with his son, and now it was going away, and it was very, very, you know, very depressing for me. And then he calls me, says, "Hold him," and then everything changes. That was a favorite scene of mine of that season as well, too. No, thank you. I, I don't know. It's hard to pick that. What's mostly difficult? Or I mean, it was very emotional. A lot of emotional scenes in this scene. I mean, I love. The first thing, I mean, I think you know, there's a lot of emotional scenes for Johnny that, that in season two, but I think, I think the, I think definitely working with Marty was was the most difficult in the sense of because in real life we're we're like teddy bear, but we're like you know, we're very father son kind of mentor type of relationship. I don't know, it was tough. Like when he walked in and we had the fight, the physical part of the fight. There was a lot of emotion in that. But I wouldn't say it was difficult, but it was painful, you know, in a good way. Because there's a love, but there's also a resistance. And 
but that, you know, so the fight, the scene I loved the, was the one also in the um, in the shelter when he's uh, when you see where he really lives, you know, and and I follow him, and all, everything he's been telling me is bullshit. Yeah, now he's sitting on a cot in this in this room, and, you know. That was some, that was some really special stuff, you know, for us. I think you know it was just honest and you know just a great tone in the room, a great camera, great director on that, and and it happened. And I love when things happen. Yeah. So um, you know, I mean, all emotions. You know, those were the ones. And then then what the one in the diner with Miguel, you know, talking about. I mean, I think the most emo. I guess. Difficult in the way that was most painful was talking about Johnny talking about his son that he missed. And, you know, there's so, so many people like that, you know, I have a godson. I raised the boy, he's almost 30 something now. And uh, his dad wasn't around. And, you know, and I love him like a son. And I've been his dad. Obviously, I get the calls, you know. And he's my buddy and he's a rock star now. Like, literally, you know, I remember the pain of that. So I drew on that, and that was that was most difficult. So, good question, Brianna, and I know who you are too because I just saw on the screen that Brianna comes to a lot of the shows and she makes the mock artwork of. Uh, yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. So, keep going. I hope you have some. You're gonna have some great artwork for uh, for season three. Absolutely, Brianna. We look forward to it. Jude, what's next? Hey, Jude. Ah, Jude's our producer, and this question comes from Ryan. Can you share any moments in either the original film or Cobra Kai when you guys had a hard time staying in character? Like, did you catch the laughing bug during a scene or something like that? Me, no. me and Billy, Billy, Billy had a big scene in season two that was at the Mexican restaurant in episode nine, I believe, of season two with the two lovely ladies, Vanessa and Courtney. We just, it just got the giggles just like little kids. I was the last to surrender to it, but once I surrendered to it, I was gone. I think Billy, I do recall, and where did it start? Was it you? I know it was the dojo line. Yeah, it's something about dojo. Uh, I forgot the line. What is it? It's but, a, but you had to say it so seriously. Yeah. So, yeah. What was the line? We're in the thing and uh, about dojo. Uh, something I said dojo in a funny way, like uh, we're competing dojos, and 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 uh, Vanessa broke up, Courtney broke up, and then. They couldn't stop laughing. They were laughing they so were. hard that it was it was literally like a contagious, literally contagious laugh. Where I was, I was out of control, and Ralph was so he just held it together. But finally, I was like rock solid, and yeah, then no came, and then I and we were under a time crunch, and I just oh got frustrated, going, "You guys, we got to finish. We're losing our day. We could not." It was one of those things where you get the giggles and you can't stop it and you can't control it. And it's really actually. And Billy, Billy, you went, you left. Like he went, he had to go outside because there was no way to fix it. And, and we knew we were in trouble time-wise on the day. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a beast of a day anyway. Every day on Cobra Kai is packed with our schedules very, very tight. And that day we were running out of time and he stepped out and he came back in and Credit to credit to you, Zappy. He came back in, and that next take there was not a crack. But by then I was gone, so then he had to wait for me to go through my system. Yeah, so that's that's one that comes to mind. That's that's right the on. because my character doesn't laugh at anybody. He doesn't so. laugh. Yeah, <laughs> and we don't laugh when he's around. It just oh. kills. Sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you for that one, Ryan. Uh, Jude, what's next? This goes on Natalie. She wants to know, uh, this question is for everybody. How would your characters act during the quarantine? 
And she adds that she can picture John Kreese in an underground bunker. I think John Kreese would lead people down the streets, armed people in tactic, tactical equipment, and uh, try to rescue the situation. Yeah, I think it would be it, 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 John Kreese would be right there with the militia. You know, he doesn't know any other way. It, it you know, part of me feels like that too. You know, but but you know, I just I think that's where John would be. You know, he'd come down. He'd probably knock on Billy's door and say, what are you doing? You know, and come on with me. Yeah, I think he'd be leading people down the, down the street. It'll be something like, you know, if we watch a scene from the Revolutionary War and party, you know, be something like that. You know, he'd be leading the people throwing the tea into the in Boston Harbor. <laughs> I, I absolutely concur with that assessment. <laughs> that is a very crease thing to do. I know, I know what Johnny would be doing. First of all, it, it, he'd be doing what he would say, and he would say, quarantine's for pussies. Right, right. <laughs> so he, he would be running his dojo. He would be getting arrested for doing it. He would be doing everything. He'd be going with everywhere he went. He'd be living life as normal. Not only is yeah, quarantine for pussies, so is COVID-19's for pussies as well. Right. And uh, let's keep moving. That's what he would do, I think. Right, yeah, right? And LaRusso... LaRusso being a knee-jerk reactionary kind of guy as he was back <laughs> in the film. And he probably would go and take it like to DEFCON 5. Yeah. Like he'd have nothing the pets. Already. Say that again? <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. I didn't hear you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, God. Okay, I'll get it later. Yeah. But um, he'd be, I'm assuming he'd be the opposite on the start. Till. Till someone tried to pull out the rug uh, under him, and then he'd uh, he'd throw a caution into the wind. I don't know, you know, I'm making it up as I go along. I know what Ralph is doing. That's for sure. I'm following the guidelines. <laughs> I see Danny teaching his Miyagi-Do karate, and everybody's wearing rubber gloves. That's right. right. <laughs> Absolutely, Natalie. That was a great question. Thank you for that one. Cars at six feet apart. That's yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what's next? This one comes with Scott. Oh, what memorabilia, if any, did each of you keep from Karate Kid? Well, one of the pieces of memorabilia that I kept from the Karate Kid is in the Cobra Kai series, and that's the yellow 47 Ford convertible. And that was the film that was used. That was, sorry, that was the car that was used in the original movie. And I was fortunate enough to get that uh, from Columbia Pictures when I was done with the second sequel. And I kept that car. And it was, it was, you know, kind of, uh, for a while, it was like the yellow elephant that (laughs) had no, there we go. There we go. I I couldn't drive the car into the shot, but the car is in the, in the, in the show. And I have the headband and also the trophy, but that's upstairs. uh, So I'm not going to get that now. But uh, Johnny Lawrence, I will segue. um, And look, it still fits. Fits like a glove, literally. (laughs) It's so small. Yeah, this is the uh, this is it, man. This is the beach one, Ralph. So it's a condition. Yep. I still got the zippers, the original Cobra Kai patch, the real one. This is wow. It. Yeah, you know, and you notice I had that right off camera because I had a feeling that was gonna come. And <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty cool. This is it, though. This is it. Ralph got a car. I got this. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that one was cheaper to maintain i promise yeah right <laughs> that's true and then we look over marty's uh, shoulder and uh i wonder if that has anything to do with a piece of memorabilia here i want i want you all to meet john crease <laughs> this, 
this is the full life purple person that I look at every day and just try to remember that I'm not that character. <laughs> oh, very nice. But he's right there. He's right there. I don't know what else to do with him. Just like John Priest doesn't know what else to do with himself. You know, I don't know what else to do with that because it's really, and, and I have my heroes, my dolls. I have this, and I have Billy's in a box. Billy, I have yours in a box that I can't open up. Thank you. You know, and I have myself also. <laughs> These are the 1984 dolls that yeah. came originally. They all break because when I play with them, the legs fall off all the time. Those are you know, my cherished memories of, of our, you know, rendezvous with cinema history, you know. Martin, you can't play with them too hard. Uh, I'm sure Crease wins every match, but you got to lay off a little easy. Yeah, there was never a tournament. I, I <laughs> did the court pad in, this, in the parking lot. And that was it, you know. <laughs> in the imaginary script. Indeed. Scott, thank you. That was a great question. Let's, uh, Julie, what do you got next? This goes from Helen. And she says, out of both of the Cobra Kai seasons, what was your favorite scene to play? And what was your favorite scene to watch? That's not easy. There were there were a lot yeah. of, we were lucky. We were lucky. There were a lot of them. One of my favorite scenes to play was the first scene I shot with Billy when I walk in the dojo in season one at the end of I think episode uh, two. You know, it was the first scene we played, squaring off against each other, and it was like thirty years just disappeared outside of a few wrinkles and thinning hairline. It was like magic. The chemistry level was was better than I ever remembered it and had a new uh, depth to it. And that was, uh, and I still enjoy watching that as well as the, um, I would say the scene where I, I go to Miyagi's grave in uh, episode five of season one. That was a, that was a poignant one to shoot and it's one I still enjoy uh, uh, watching. And last season, I also enjoyed our, our little piece of, just in the elevator. There were no words spoken. And, uh, and that, that, uh, and I, I can get to go on because there's so many scenes with the kids and, and the scene in the backyard with Marty. Figure, you know, I give up. They're all awesome. Yeah, they're all good. But those are the ones that, that are really resonate. I, I think one of my favorite scenes to play was in episode one when I'm watching the TV and Daniel pops on going bonsai and that whole bit being drinking and, and the whole uh, Iron Eagle moment. It was just like, sorry about that. There's something deep inside of you. You know, it was kind of the wake up for, for the character. So there was something really cool about that. Just tapping into that, that note unlocked a lot of who Johnny is to me, you know? But again, I, I think the other ones really are the first scene with Ralph and the first scene with, with Marty. Those are the ones that were just like, the Karate Kid is, is I mean, it's, it, it's the same. It's just different, the same. It's back. So when, yeah, when Ralph walked into the dojo the first time, it was... It was just so awesome. It was just awesome. I love watching it. And then, and also when Marty comes in at the end and does his, uh, you know, beginning of season two, end of season one, those were those are my two favorites to, to really watch and end of feel. But all of them, it's all the scenes. It's kind of like trying to pick a favorite part of your of your favorite song. You know, like what mm -hmm. part? Of like it's all one thing. So I, I, okay. I, I enjoy watching stuff that's that's not me. I mean, I love watching the kids. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The end of you know of last season, end of season two, and seeing that massive, incredibly choreographed fight, you know that's one of my favorite things to watch and watch again. So 
Uh, it's great. All of it. it. It's interesting that you said, Bill, you said, it, and I have the same opinions of the same scenes. The scene you and I, Ralph, in the garden, mm -hmm. I, I just love that. The scene when I come into the dojo with you, it's the same scene you're talking about. When those moments happen, they're just, you know, it's what we all look for in every project we ever make is that kind of instinctive communication that just happens on a set that, you know, you wish would happen in every project you do. That wonderful communication that makes the project worth doing, whether it's a little movie or, you know, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood that I did, you know, I mean, the moments you're there, you know, that really work, the moments in Karate Kid, there's so many, you can't even talk about them, but we all feel it when it happens. And that's, you know, there's probably a dozen scenes I could talk about, you know? but it's a great question. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Helen. We have time for one more. So let's see what we will close out with. This one comes from Meg. She wants to know, what is your favorite memory of the late Pat Morita? This, that's a, that's a, it's a simple question, and, and, but a tough answer because there were so many. Uh, the, the lame thing to say is there were so many great moments, but it, it, it's the truth. I would say this sort of blurs into one thing for me, and because there were so many times his dedication to uh, the importance and the responsibility of him playing Mr. Miyagi and what he felt the importance of, of the portrayal of that character was on more levels than we know. His purity toward being honest to that character and making sure he was doing justice to him and what he represented uh, through his character as a Japanese American as a as a father figure all those things to me were what i experienced working with him so it's one long memory that is uh that i'll forever take and i try to use whenever i embrace a character that i'm playing because his de his dedication to it was so clear you know and then and also his fart jokes and everything else that happened in between <laughs> His sense of humor is renowned. Yes. <laughs> and he would go right from that. He would do, you know, those those real tender moments. And then and as soon as we cut, he, you know, he'd lay a, you know, audio, audio fart on you or whatever it was, whatever it was, you know. He was, was, was a comic at heart with a lot of soul, a lot of heart and soul. Yeah, it's hard. For me, it's hard to pick a, a moment. It's just the essence yeah. of it. The essence of who Pat was is my favorite memory. Of right. Him. So many different things. He's a great actor. He was funny. He was cheering. He was like an uncle. You know, he was selfless. He was, uh, you know, just just so light to be around. So my favorite memory of Pat Marita is just who he was and all the story of where he started and his whole life and his career. Um, specifically, I could say two things. One is the fence fight scene when I was rehearsing with Ralph. And he said, I was I was going at it, I guess, half speed. And, pulled me aside and he said, Billy, Billy, he's, he's, you know, he's 110% when the cameras are rolling, it's like bread and butter. He kind of upped my performance and energy in that scene. So I I'll always remember that moment. And then when we did the tour for Karate Kid and I was in New York and he was somewhere, we were just doing press junkets and I was green as anything. And I was being shuttled in a limousine to an airplane, to a hotel and there's cameras. And I was really, 
was brand new for me. It was, you know, it was overwhelming. And he would check on me every night and call the hotels I was at. He's two guys in with us. Uh, I know he's watching down from above. I feel like he's part of the show in spirit. And uh, like Ralph always said, the show doesn't exist without him. Be really interesting to see how he fit into this game we're playing now. You know, uh, my experience with him was very simple. You know, every 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 moment was very, very real. And my third audition for Guy McElwain, the head of the studio, was on the set reading with Pat and John Appleson's assistant holding the camera over his shoulder and filming that scene. I think it was uh, uh, one of the dojo that we do with Rob. But, you know, we're talking about a consummate actor, a guy who could do comedy, a guy who could do vulnerability. And uh, he was the best. He was, you know, I'd love to love to figure out how we could fit into this thing we're doing, you know. Yeah. A, lot, a lot in season three, you know. He could fit into a lot of stuff there, you know. With, you know, with you, Ralph, I mean, that'd be great. Meg, thank you so much for that question. Gentlemen, uh, Ralph, you mentioned that season three is on the launching pad. Is there a yeah. launch date? There is not a launch date. We're going to get ex exciting news coming our way about the launch of season three very soon. I, you know, we all wish we could, we had that info. Yeah. But what we do have is that very soon. It's it's all that, and this is this is the thing. It's been completed. A lot of people are like, wait, maybe they never finished it, or the you know pandemic came and intercepted it. No, that we shot, we got done shooting the show there through post production, and uh, and now just you know with the world being flipped upside down, we are you know awaiting that information. But it's uh, super exciting, and it's it's coming really soon. So get ready this season. I mean, we had so much fun making this uh, a season. It's bigger uh, than than ever. I, for one, as a huge fan of the show, I am so looking forward to it. And again, gentlemen. I thank you so much for what you've done with this series. You've honored yourselves as actors. You've honored these characters. And this movie has been referred to as the big chill of my generation. And I absolutely agree with that. And it's just such a pleasure to see you guys work. It's always a pleasure to see you guys in person. And again, we hope to have you on our stages again, live in front of your fans. And until then, thank you for this format. GalaxyCon viewers, this has been the cast of Cobra Kai.